listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma, and I'm your host, Trish Gloss. Food blogger Lauren McDuffie on the podcast today. She calls herself a professional home cook and says she's at her happiest when she's in the kitchen with her camera. She's also a cookbook author. First cookbook was Smoke Roots Mountain Harvest and really a nod to her roots and where she came from. Next cookbook comes out next June and it's called Southern Lights. We chat about that a little bit. We also talk about her food blog a lot. Established in 2019, it's called My Kitchen Little. And yes, it's a play on Chicken Little. Her son came up with that. Super cute. She says she wanted to create a spot for home cooks, a place to make cooking more accessible. And she really opened my eyes to the world of food blogging. I had no idea the work, the amount of work that went into this, the writing, the algorithms, the patience to watch this grow. And so I asked if all of this work is involved, why not just cook something, throw the recipe up on Instagram and call it a day. She says she wanted to create something that was hers, that she could control. And really when it comes down to it, she wouldn't have it any other way. Here's Lauren McDuffie. many questions for you. First question, are you a native South Carolinian? No, I've only been here for two years. Aww. So I'm a, new, yeah, I'm a new South Carolinian and a very happy, happy one, but yeah, not a native. Um, I was made in Georgia and I was, um, I lived in Aiken, South Carolina for the yeah. better, like until I was about 16. Oh, okay. So that's why you said, you know, kiss South Carolina for me. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Give it, give it yeah. a big uh, hug and kiss. And my um, parents, my whole family still lives there actually, but my parents live right outside Charleston. Well, we've really enjoyed our time here so far. That's for um, sure. Well, that's amazing. We're going to talk a lot about why you're in Charleston, Lauren McDuffie. But first I want to properly introduce you. Food blogger, cookbook author, food photographer, stylist, I was looking at your Instagram account last night, just doing some research. It is a colorful, drool-worthy landscape of just all of this gorgeous-looking food. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That's I guess that's the goal. So <laughs> thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, uh, I live in the land of food all the time, so you it's do. good. You've created yeah, – um, it's a website. It's called My Kitchen Little. Yep. That's kind of, that's, that's who you are. That's what you're known for. Yep. Is that a play on chicken little? It is. My son came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> I started it a few years ago and he was in that play and, and he suggested it. This was right at a time when I was sort of speaking of pivoting, um, trying to make a go at food blogging for, for real or as a job. And I wanted to, um, create a new website and I just, didn't have a name and he, <laughs> he suggested it and it just sort of stuck. So mm -hmm. he was five at the time. So way to yeah. go kid. That's awesome. I know it's a great Thanks. name. Yeah. Um, but essentially my kitchen, little easy recipes for busy home cooks. And that's mm -hmm. really how you describe yourself. You're a professional home cook. You say you're the yep. happiest when you're in your kitchen with a camera. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. And I say professional home cook because I always feel like I have to qualify a little bit um, because people will call me chef sometimes. And I'm not a chef. I, I've not been to culinary school. Um, I don't go in people's homes, even and cook for them. I share recipes and I've definitely learned and come to appreciate the fact that you do not have to be a professionally trained chef to share great recipes with other home cooks. In fact, I think 
it's almost better because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're linked in that way, one home cook to another. So yeah, I've monetized my passion for home cooking. So that's why I say professional home cook. Yeah. Um, I, I love this actually. I had a conversation in depth about home cooks with chef Sarah Moulton, um, because she really plays up to the home cook. That's really who she caters to because she says, these are the folks who you guys are doing it every day and you're not, you're not getting paid for it. Right. Yeah. We're just doing it out of passion. Yeah. Yeah. And I say the same thing, you know, people are like, you should have a cooking show or right. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's just something I'm not a chef. I just love to cook. I'm not, there's nothing fancy about my food whatsoever, but yeah. So I definitely want to talk to you about all of that stuff. Um, but first, before we, before we get into it, where are you from originally? I claim two places as home. I'm originally from Kentucky. Um, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, but I moved to Southwest Virginia, um, when I was like 12. And then I, lived there through college, but now my family's back in Kentucky, but my husband's family's in Virginia. So I go home to both places regularly and they both kind of share, you know, a place in my heart. My first cookbook was kind of an homage to, it's Appalachia, um, to those places. So I claim both Kentucky and Virginia. Your first cookbook was Smoke Roots Mountain Harvest? Yeah. It's very, very Appalachian. Yes, it, it really was. And it's funny because I, if you look at some of the reviews for the book, there are people who were unhappy with me because it wasn't Appalachian enough, but that was sort of the point. I guess it's an Appalachian-ish book. My my goal for this book was to fuse together um, recipes, traditions, techniques, ingredients from this little part of the country where I grew up, Mm. and then kind of merge them with the foods that I love today as a person who works in food all the time. And my inspirations and influences come from all over the place. So it really was a fusion cookbook and a way for me to get to know where I was from and kind of rediscover it as, as an adult. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, that's really what the book was about. And it was just really fun to get to do it. Um, Yeah. Anything specific that really, really says, Appalachian to you, like anything that just really stands out. You're like, if, if you could pick a few things, like this is what, this is what it is. So apples, that's the first thing that comes to mind, which is sort of a strange thing, but that's what's on the cover of my book. Um, but my grandma used to, she was from Kentucky and she used to, um, bake with me all the time. And there were always apples involved. That was the first time I ever used a knife was to kind of peel and cut an apple. So a lot of it goes back to my own experiences growing up in Kentucky. Um, But I also gained a real appreciation for the incredible um, vastness when it comes to heirloom ingredients that grow in Appalachia. And that has a lot to do with the mountainous terrain. And there are a hundred and something of many, many apples grown in, um, in Appalachia, so many varieties. And I didn't really realize that before I made the book. So I just kind of had apples on the brain while I was doing it. So that's my go-to response yeah, to your yeah. question. Yeah. So it sounds like food was important then growing up in your family. Yeah, it was maybe almost more indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to this day, I prioritize dinner and time as a family around the table. Um, It's harder to accommodate today just with busy schedules and my husband's, uh, his job, but um, it's important to me because that's what I grew up with. Um, My mom, she's a really good cook. She doesn't 
she could kind of take it or leave it, I think, but she always had really good food on the table and we were always together. And that really instilled an appreciation for just the time. And the fact that food is, is an amazing um, catalyst for everything, you know, communication and togetherness. And I think I just file that away, but that's always been something that I've appreciated about it. But um, at some point, I think my grandma was a huge influence, like I said before, but I just started my mom had stacks of Southern living magazine always around and I would flip to the back. The back fourth was always the recipes. Yeah. <laughs> and I started reading them, you know, word for word. And I did it all the time. And I became so interested in just the food. And then I started cooking them myself from the Southern living magazine and have just always been genuinely interested in cooking, you know, for as long as I can remember. So yeah, it's been around a while. I think, that whole gathering around the kitchen table. I don't know anything different. I mean, I just, from being a, a, from a Southern family, you just did that. You did that at breakfast. If, Mm -hmm. if they were coming in working lunch, everybody just sat around the table and and grabbed some food for lunch. And then dinner was, yeah, I mean, we sat around the table, so I don't know anything different. And I've heard from friends who grew up differently than I did. And they're like, we never, we never sat around the table and had dinner. Does it make any sense to me? I know it's sad because Mm -hmm. I think it's such a beautiful, simple thing. It's an anchor. Um, it's grounding. I just, I, I appreciate it so much. So definitely try to, uh, to keep that practice today. Although it is hard sometimes. Yeah. But it's important. It is. I, it, yes, it it is hard, but I agree. It is important. And then growing up with my stepson, I instilled Mm -hmm. that, right? Like I wanted to make sure we had dinner around the table whether it was family style or I'm serving up food. I mean, it's just so incredibly important. And I think, um, you know, studies, if you look, even studies show that that is a critical moment for families, just that hour, right? An hour around the table. It's a big deal. Yep. I agree. That's uh, just proven so true. So. so mom was a good cook. Um, and you're you're living in two places. Well, it, you know, you've got this like Kentucky side. You've got this Virginia side. Yeah. But it's still, mm-hmm. I mean, this is still like South, like Southern, you know, like a Southern yeah. cooking type, type atmosphere, right? Yeah. Sorry, that's my dog. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> he, he just was neutered and he's on a lot of medications. So he's just kind of lurking about. So excuse any funny <laughs> sounds, but that's just life. I'm supposed to keep an eye on him to make sure he's okay. But, uh, um, but it's yeah, all good. My I dogs have, usually are barking right about now, or you'll yeah. sometimes see a kitty tail, like right in this area. <laughs> well, so. that might be true too. He won't bark. I can promise you that, but he's just kind of meandering around. But, um, Poor buddy. but yeah, to your question, I've always pretty much been rooted in the South, even if not physically, I think I, my cooking point of view is rooted here. Um, we did live in Indianapolis for 10 years and that's where we moved to Charleston from. So I did get a little time in the Midwest, which was sort of unexpected and, uh, we loved it. So I actually wrote my first book when I lived there. So I felt like a little bit of a homesick Southerner in a way. (laughs) Has, it sounds like food has always been kind of, you know, weaving in and out of your life. Was there a moment (laughs) though, where you were like, this is it, this is what I'm going to do. This is the path I'm going to go down. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, um, so I started, I had a a former food blog that I started purely as a passion project, a creative hobby. It was called harvest and honey. And I started that when my daughter who just turned 10, 
she was one and I just needed a creative outlet. It was purely just for fun. This was back when food blogs were still kind of a novel thing. Now it seems like everyone has one, but at the time that wasn't as much the case. So I just started this little space on the internet to give me something that was purely for myself. Um, and it was fun. And I discovered a love of photography. I had no clue that that was something that I can do and would love so much. Um, and that just kind of grew. And I, I guess I was nominated for a Savoir blog award, which at the time was just this huge deal. It was this kind of benchmark. And I, um, I loved getting to go do that and to meet other people who have transformed their websites into pretty great careers. And so I just, that planted a seed for me. Mm -hmm. And then I had the idea for my, um, my first cookbook, basically while I was there in New York at those awards. Um, and I reached out and found an agent and that just happened really quickly. And it gave me sort of confidence that I could maybe make a go of pursuing a life in food. It's kind of all mixed up and it's, it's unique. My path hasn't been super straight, but yeah, I think the, that award gave me some confidence. And then the book coming from that really, I think it's all just grown from that. Well, yeah. it's, it's affirmation, right? It was affirmation yeah. that like you're doing something, right? Yep. It, it was. I think sometimes when you work in, a, in an isolated environment, like I do, I'm alone all the time in my own home, just sending content out into the void. Mm -hmm. um, it can feel like you're screaming into an abyss sometimes. And it's really nice to have that kind of affirmation. It's um, kind of life-giving and that it definitely did a lot for me. So at the time, yeah. I find that interesting. I, the same thing, like creating content and just dumping it on social media platforms and just praying that people like it yeah. or entertained yeah. by it or whatever. And it's so yes. funny to me, the things that I'm like, oh, people are going to really like this one. And it's yeah. crickets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. And yeah. then you throw something else out and it, you know, has this a crazy amount of views and you're, I'm just like, what, what? I know it's, it's really impossible sometimes to predict what's good, you know, what content is going to get wings and fly away and what's mm -hmm. just going to die a slow death. Yeah, yeah. That's always interesting to see. Yeah. But I'm sure that, um, that nomination again, affirmation that you're on this right path, or at least you're, yeah. you're doing something where you're getting recognized for it and yeah. save your magazine. I mean, hello. I mean, yes, I know I was a reader, so it was just cool. <laughs> Yeah. I have a cookbook by them. It's like a comfort foods cookbook. Yeah. Oh, it's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. I think I know. No, I have a different one by them, but I know the book you're talking about. Yes. Um, yeah. So My Kitchen Little was established in 2019. So yes. it's still kind of a baby, a little baby. It is. Yep. It's a baby. In blog terms, I think it's still a baby. Um, yes. I started when I, my, my book had come out, um, and that was sort of behind me and you find yourself working on a book. It takes two years to do. It's this huge thing. And then it's out into the world and you're just like, Oh, well hmm. now what, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, um, and I have very good friends who are very successful full-time, uh, food bloggers. And they were literally almost my neighbors in Indianapolis where I lived at the time. And they really provided a lot of inspiration for me um, to kind of just make the leap into trying that myself. Um, 
my former blog harvest and honey was a total it was like a memoir space basically and i just used food as a catalyst for storytelling and mm. and photography and i didn't want that to be the thing that i turned into a business i just didn't see it that way in hindsight maybe that would have been smarter because it was a a, a website that had existed for a while yeah i just couldn't do it so i started fresh i started a new site the name came from my, my five-year-old child and I just kind of jumped in head first and have been working on it now for a few years. Um, and it's just now really starting to pick up. And that's what I was told would happen with these recipe websites or any kind of website. You just have to understand that patience is required. <laughs> so mm. it takes time. Okay. Good yeah. to know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but it's true. So yeah. But My Kitchen Little was established because you really wanted to create this spot, right, for home cooks, kind mm -hmm. of making recipes more accessible. And I just know from my love of cooking, it's all about sharing, right? I mean, yeah. I want to yeah. I want to let people, especially if you're a little intimidated by the kitchen, I want to be like, oh, yeah. look, it's so easy. Here's a simple recipe. Here's a quick little trick you can do. It's all yeah. about sharing. Mm hmm. No, I agree. That's that's really the heart of everything. Um, the recipe or this site is so different than my last one, which kind of was about me, honestly, which, you know, was fun. And that was a great learning experience for me. But this site is not about me. It's about, OK, what do we all as modern home cooks want? Um, what we want to feed our people, however, and whoever that may be um, in a way that's quick, approachable, not fussy. You know, so I say my website is for people with small spaces, small budgets, and who are short on time, which is so many people. It's meant to be truly helpful while not sacrificing deliciousness in the process. That's important too. Right. So that's kind of the, the concept. Yeah. Um, what do you think it is about, I mean, you're a home cook, a professional home cook. What do you think it is about those home cooks that really get into it, right? We really just get excited about it. Yeah. And then- you know, for me, when I was first dating my husband, he was kind of the cook and I didn't, and I came from a family of cooks and I just really didn't do it. And then yeah. I started cooking and I got hooked. I couldn't stop. Hmm. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I have thought about this before and I've talked to other people about it. And I think, I guess it's different from person to person, but I think for me, it's my favorite way to express myself creatively. Um, and I've, I've heard other people say that too, um, but it's just such a quick or not quick, but it's an easy way to show people that you care. Um, people tend to appreciate food and to be cooked for, even if they don't like to cook. It's just a nice thing you can do uh, to kind of express yourself and to share. Like you said, um, it's a great way to share with other people that anyone can do, you know? So I think some of it comes from there. It's a love language for sure. Yes. That's it. That for me, that is so true. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I think when I want to show someone that I really love them or care about them or a thank you, I'm cooking them a meal for sure. Same. That's you, immediately where my mind goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Do yeah. you identify more as a baker or as a cook? Cook for sure. I like to bake sometimes, but it's more means to an end. I like to eat the cake. Um, and I don't mind baking, but it doesn't get me excited and intrigued the way that cooking does. So yeah, I, I share sweets um, and desserts in my books and my website because I, I like them. And if I do share anything, you know, it's probably going to be pretty good or else I wouldn't 
because <laughs> it's not my go-to type of content. Right. But yeah, I, I like the free spirited freestyling nature of mm-hmm. cooking more than the scientific kind of buttoned up black and white nature of baking. I was just going to say that um, same. And I, I kind of like to just, you know, shoot from the hip, right? Really? Yeah. So if I added a little too much of this, I'm going to fix it over here. You cannot do yeah. that in baking. You can't. No, not you can't. And that's feels a little stuffy to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I am, I applaud bakers and, and even like pastries. Yeah. I mean, their brains just work completely different in yeah. the kitchen. Right. I agree. Yeah. And I appreciate them so much. Um, but yeah, it's not as much my, my bag. So, so then when it comes to cooking, do you feel like you have a philosophy? I mean, it sounds like you've kind of already answered that question. You know, it has to be easy. It can't be anything extravagant. Um, Mm -hmm. is that kind of where your philosophy lies with cooking? I think so. Um, I think, um, if you can cook it yourself, you're always going to be better for it, even if it's something naughty, like a fried something or, you know, donuts. If you're making it yourself, you're already doing yourself some good um, because you're in control. So I tend to come from that place. Um, but yeah, I don't think cooking ever needs to be intimidating or hard or time consuming. There are some days that are great for projects. But I think day in and day out, cooking can be something that adds to your life and not detracts because I think some people might see it that way. It doesn't have to be daunting. So I'm always trying to figure out ways to communicate that and and share ideas and tips and tricks and recipes that uh, support that because I think it's true. Yeah. I find sometimes, especially when I'm wanting to share recipes with friends, I kind of get stuck a little bit in a rut. I'm making kind of the same types of dishes how much research yep. is involved for you, whether it's a cookbook yep. or your blog or your Instagram profile, like how much research is involved there? So that's a, that's a good question because that has changed dramatically over time for me. Um, it depends on the, the platform or the space um, that I'm contributing to at the time. <laughs> He's eating the rug. Um, Puppy dog. I, uh, for, for my first um for my first book and my first blog, it was very based off of what story do I want to tell and how can I squeeze food into it? Um, but now because I'm running this website as a business, it's much more strategic. And I think this is an aspect of food blogging that most people don't know about. Um, it's uh, I plan the things that I'm going to share months and months in advance. I have an editorial calendar that I establish and I have a software that I pay for that helps me research um, exactly what to to share based off of how old my blog is, what my traffic is, um, and what my readers would be interested in. And it's all based off of uh, Google searches. And wow. um, because that's the goal, that's the goal at the end of the day, you want to rank in the first page of a Google search, because that's how you make money if you've decided to make a go at running a website um, as your business. So all of that is really calculated. And it's so funny, people love to hate on food bloggers. Everyone says, get to the recipe already. Nobody wants to, um, you know, read your life story. But the reason people share uh, words and copy in their um, in their posts is because Google would never honor you It would never reward you in a search if you don't have words in it. Because the idea is to show that you know what you're talking about, that you're an expert in whatever this dish or recipe happens to be. So all of it's very strategic. So everything I share 
comes from research based off of what I know my readers already like and what I think will perform well, which is a very like unglamorous response, but it's, mm -hmm. it's true. Um, it's a more business oriented approach this time, but with books, I can do whatever I want. And it's so different. And I think that's why I like doing both because I don't have to cater to an algorithm or to Google. Um, I can just share totally ungoogleable, totally original yeah. concepts even that are just based off of pure inspiration, which comes from all over the place, honestly. I had no idea. Like I knew, I knew yeah. there were some algorithms that you guys yes. had to follow as food bloggers, but um, that's yeah. really interesting because I have looked up a few recipes and the blog yeah. and I'm like, good grief. Like, yeah. Oh, I know. I ever, it's, it's such a thing. And, and there's word counts you have to hit yeah. and there's words share and you have to do headings and you have to have a certain number of images. It's all completely, um, purposeful and, in and intentional. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but that's true. It's more than I think a lot of people uh, realize. Wait, is he wearing the cone of shame? He is. And in fact, I can, if you want, I can go put him outside now. He's got his cone on. It's like a whole thing. So if that works. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, go for it. <laughs> He's good. What kind of dog? Okay. Apologies. He's a um, big horse dog, half golden retriever, half yellow lab. So very sweet. Aw. But huge. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have an, a, I have an Italian Mastiff who's about 140 oh. pounds. Mm -hmm. He oh, was neutered. You have a bigger yeah. He was neutered at a year old because they said, wait as long as you can, yeah, which was he's a, a year. nightmare. I know. Oh, you can totally relate then. That's what we've been <laughs> dealing with. So grumpy. And it was a, yeah. it was a process to find a cone that was big enough to fit his meathead. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So I, I feel you, <laughs> but I will say this after, after the neutering, he was a different he was a different doggy. Very chill. That's what I hear. Yeah. We could use a little bit more chill. I love him dearly, but whew, a little yeah. more chill wouldn't all of us. So it'll, it, it'll get there. It'll get there. Okay, okay so, good. Um, I mean, I guess I realized and I didn't realize that food blogging, it it yeah. sounds like a, a project. Every time you go to post something new. Um, I just know from the news biz, when we had to write our web story, which is basically like yeah. a part story, the more words, obviously you wanted to hit a word count. You wanted to have certain things in your title. Um, yep. it, it's a process. It's a process to yep. write all of that. Yeah, it is. I have like a 40 step process or like checklist that I go through each time I share, um, a recipe. I just did it this morning and it's all because it all, it, every little thing matters when you're trying to, you know, show up in a search and it takes a year for that to even show that it's working. Like I did a bunch of posts about a year ago on greens, mustard greens, turnip greens, dandelion greens, you know, vegetarian mustard greens. I did it all together, all strategically um, so that I would rank for these things. And they're just now starting to rank and prove their worth for me like a year later. So it's all like to what we were saying before, it's an investment of time <laughs> playing the long game yeah. to an extent. Yeah. So then I guess so. why, why go through all of that, right? Like why not just throw these recipes up on Instagram and call it a day? Yeah. yeah I think because I've gained an appreciation for, um, just the value for me personally of having something that's mine um, that I can kind of water and grow over time. I love that. 
Um, I also had to find work that I could do from anywhere. Um, it's the mobility of the job is very appealing to me. We've moved a lot for my, my husband's job. He's a, he's a surgeon and he trained for 14 years and we moved every few years for him to do research and fellowships and residency and all sorts of place, which was cool, but it made it difficult for me to, um, continue in the, my path that I'd sort of thought was, was for me, it was completely different than what I'm doing now. Um, and I think for a while I was almost resentful of that, of, of how it affected my path. But I think now looking back, it's been like a, an, a blessing in disguise. I would never have discovered some of the things that I love now had I not been forced to kind of find work that I could do from home and from anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and blogging and writing books is definitely, you know, it fits into that really well. What was the original path? I, so I have a master's degree in public administration. So my MPA, um, and I was working in a city manager's office. I was the speechwriter for the mayor and the city manager in Newport News, Virginia, a long time ago. And I, uh, so, sort of was on a path to work in municipal government. I was interested in that. Um, so it's just not at all what I'm doing now. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> totally similar. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I guess it's the writing a little bit. I, I learned quickly that I loved to write. And I also learned quickly that a lot of people do not. And so that's why I started writing speeches. When people realize that you like to write, they're very happy to just say, okay, you can do that. And I liked it. And so I started freelance writing also. And I've written about all kinds of random and obscure things and industries and organizations um, all over the map. But I always enjoyed it. And that's another reason I started my food blog is I recognize that I like to write and I wanted to write about something that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so food was that thing for me. Yeah. I was going to say writing has really set you up because if you're not a fan of writing, I mean, food blogging is not, ugh, I can't imagine. Oh, it'd be a, it would be a slog. It would, it yeah. just, I wouldn't do it. I, I love photography. I love cooking and I love writing. So for me, it's, it's easy. The time investment, no big deal. Cause I'm, I'm doing things that I love every day. That's what makes it work. So do you more like to shoot and record kind of just the food? Because I didn't see a whole lot of you like in the kitchen. Yeah, I know. I, I guess I people are always saying you should show more of yourself because that's just makes sense. It's what people like. Again, we need assistance. I need an assistant too. I just think, I think it's about bandwidth. Like if I knew how to do a good job with video or, or even just shooting myself more, mm -hmm. I would do it. Um, but I've just reached my kind of workload limit with, yeah. with kids. And I, I have, have four jobs right now that I'm doing and I love all of them, but I just get to a point where I'm like, there's no room for learning a new thing and, and video and self-portraiture and all of that's just a little outside of the, the your, workload. You're, you're preaching choir. Like I, I absolutely, I absolutely feel you there. And it's one of those yeah. things too. I think, um, I cook a little bit on Instagram and I, it is me. Yeah. That, that's kind of my medium as a TV journalist. I mean, I've been on camera yeah. like most of my adult life. Um, that's very cool. Well, love that. <laughs> I respect that. It's, it's what I know, but at, at the end of the day, there's, there's days where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to share this recipe on Instagram and I go to pull out all the stuff and the ring light. And I'm just like, I just don't want to, <laughs> I just don't want to. Honestly, that's the best way to sum up my entire 
vibe about it. I just don't want to, I think there's a reason that writing and photography are my things. I get to be in the background and capturing and telling stories. And I don't have to be uh, the person who you see, which is interesting because about a year ago, I was um, pursuing a TV show project with a friend of mine. Um, I was approached by a TV producer and COVID made it take forever, but we shopped around a show concept to, to networks that didn't, it wasn't greenlit, which is probably good. Cause I really don't think video and being on camera all the time is actually for me. Um, but I went through with it anyway, cause I thought it'd be good to step out of my comfort zone a little bit and just sure. see what happened. But I think I was relieved that it didn't pan out. <laughs> I, honestly, Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I think the other side of it is going through this journey as you find out and figure out what you love and what you're really good at. There's all these things that come at you like you could do this or you could do this and people are suggesting things and you're kind of like, yeah, maybe I could. And then you really have to sit with yourself and be like, I don't want to do that. So don't do it. That's right. And that's that's a tough thing because you're told to say yes and to to do something every day that scares you. And, you know, getting outside of the comfort zone is good. But also, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I've tried on a lot of things for size. I'm busy. Um, I There's something to be said for setting boundaries mm-hmm. and knowing when to say no. That's okay, too. So that can be a tough dance, though, figuring out when and how to do that. I'm yeah. just always trying to figure that out. I, yeah. I think you really have to, again, you have to sit with yourself and just be ask mm-hmm. yourself these questions. Is this something yeah. that I want to do? Is this something that I'm passionate yeah. about? I'm passionate mm-hmm. about these things over here. So I don't want to, I don't want to muddy up these things with these things, right? It's quality right. over quantity. I think at the end of the day, right? I don't want to sacrifice the things that I love and that spark joy or that serve me truly. Um, and that was the the conclusion I came to with the, um, the TV show thing. I realized, like you said, I sat with it and I really thought about it. Um, and I could, we could have kept going a little bit and, but we didn't, we just kind of let it go because I, I just didn't feel the need to pursue it. I'm not sure my motivations were great. Mm-hmm. I think I liked the way that it sounded. Mm-hmm. It's very shiny. Like, oh, I'm on a TV show. That sounds cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't think I would have wanted to actually do it. And so that sort of speaks volumes and showed me that maybe this isn't uh, the path for me. And and maybe just because you are good at something doesn't necessarily mean that's where you should go, right? That's like, right. Yeah. 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 Um, True. No. You to be there. Struggling with all of that stuff <laughs> every single day. Um, yeah, sure. Let's talk holidays a little bit. This interview okay. will air in December, right smack dab right. in the middle of all the busyness. Um, yeah. Are you, when it comes to the holidays, are you just like all in, like gung ho about all the things? Yeah, <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, what's funny, a girlfriend of mine here in Charleston texted me last week and she was asking me if I had any go-to special recipes um, for Thanksgiving. And I felt sort of ashamed because I feel like I should have a really interesting thing to share on that front with people, but I don't. I'm a total traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I cooked Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in my life last year because we didn't go anywhere. I've never even contributed anything, which is so bizarre. <laughs> given what I do for my job. Um, but it's always wait, been my mom. Wait, wait, wait. 
<laughs> last year, last year was the first year you cooked like everything. Yeah. I cooked everything, but it was also the first year that I cooked anything for Thanksgiving. It's always done by my extended family. Then right. we just kind of show up, which is wonderful. Um, and I, t- to your question, I am all in, in my appreciation. <laughs> I'm grateful to be there and I love it. It's, Thanksgiving is my favorite day. Um, but I don't contribute much other than my, you know, gratitude and appreciation. <laughs> so it's like, it's weird. It's not the cool answer. Um, but yeah, it is my favorite day. And again, this year we're going to be traveling to Virginia and I'm, I'm hoping my mother-in-law helps or lets me contribute. She's, she's really good. She does a good job, but I feel like I need to, yeah to earn my keep a little bit more. <laughs> I, I love Thanksgiving because it is a project day, right? It's just, I love the, the yeah, project, project of Thanksgiving. Yep. It's just so, yeah, you gotta, it's so fun for me. I agree. You put your game face on. It is what it is. Um, I love to see what people make on Thanksgiving. I love those conversations. Some people introduce new things um, to their Thanksgiving table each year or, or Christmas or whatever holiday yeah. all season long. I, that's the one day I think again, because I I'm constantly cooking and trying new recipes. That's the one day where I don't want anything new. Yeah. I want it to smell the same, look the same, taste the same because nostalgia is a delicious thing. And when you only get it one day a year, I like to keep it just the way we've had it my whole life. So. 1000%. I was looking at this recipe the other day for delicata, delicata squash with like yeah. goat cheese and this like spicy kind of sauce. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this would be really fun and interesting for Thanksgiving. And then I'm like, uh-uh, I, I don't want to, I, I just don't, I want to, this, the things that I'm comfortable right. with my grandma's dressing, like that's what yeah. I'm cooking. Yeah. It's cozy and it's familiar and memories involved. You can do the delicata the day before Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, literally any other day. But it's like, not to say you're never going to try it, but yeah, I've learned this about myself as much as I love cooking on that one day. I mean, my brother's the same way. It's very precious to us. It's like a sacred day. He, he was born on the 4th of July and I've cooked him Thanksgiving dinner for his birthday in the heat of summer several times because it's our favorite. So it's just a total thing. Okay. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Sounds like you guys are close. <laughs> well, it's self-serving too, because I also like it. So yeah. Yeah. But it's just a fun thing to do. Yeah. That's fun. Like um, any traditions around Christmas or even New Year's Eve, like any, any special traditions that you guys as a, as a family or just you partake in? So no, <laughs> okay. not, like, so no Thanksgiving. Well, not Thanksgiving, um, New Year's. You said New Year's. Um, we are not exciting. I tend to not now at this point in my life, I don't usually make it. Yeah. Although my kids are getting older now, so that might change. They are 10 and eight. So they're kind of excited about it. So maybe we'll develop new traditions with them now that they're old enough to appreciate, you know, the turning of the page and, and a new year. And they get to stay um, up late, which is super fun yeah, if you're that age. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. So that I can see that, um, that changing. I like, I like the idea of a resolution. I do. I do set resolutions. It's this arbitrary thing, but I enjoy that. And, but the things that I set are silly and Last year, I think it was to eat every or try every cheeseburger in Charleston. And so I made it a whole thing and it was just this fun year long project. So for me, a resolution doesn't have to be about necessarily health or wellness or bettering myself. That sounds brilliant, by the way. And you you are now, yes, I am in the Lauren McDuffie club, a cheeseburger. Yes. Cheeseburger is my, oh, I love, I love a good cheeseburger. So same. 
Same. I think that's my, my groceries are, are here, oh, nice. but yeah, that was my resolution. It's been so much fun. I've learned a lot about Charleston and it's a restaurant scene purely just from that resolution. So that's been fun. Um, but you know, it's interesting because my, my, again, my husband's job, we've, we've moved around a lot and he, until last year has not been around on a single Thanksgiving. He hasn't been able to be with us and he hasn't been able to join us on Christmas morning. I think last year was his first year. So yeah. So we are making up for lost time a little bit. So now I'm just excited to maybe establish some, some more traditions than we've been able to enjoy in the past. That makes a lot of sense. Um, my husband's a firefighter and so there've been lots of shifts that he's worked Thanksgiving or he's worked Christmas morning and, um, yeah, we do, we do spaghetti and meatballs on Christmas Eve. That's always been our, yeah, that's, I come from an Italian family and we do a lot of, uh, spaghetti and pasta and stuff on Christmas Eve too. Yeah. There's, there's something about the red sauce and again, that project of it. And then. Christmas growing up, it was always, we always had turkey. So it was like Thanksgiving part two on Christmas day for dinner. So I've really tried to change that up and like do filet or prime rib we did one year, stuff like that. I love that. I mean, that's my plan this year. I am cooking Christmas dinner this year and I want to do like a whole holiday steakhouse theme, like rat pack crooners singing in the background. I have this whole idea. So hopefully, (laughs) yeah, that sounds fun to me. So Okay. Yeah. Primary. Are you taking your fans with you on this journey on Christmas or is this just for, is this just for you? No, I think so. Um, I love that fans. That's (laughs) I, um, yeah, I think so because it's, I'm excited about it. And a lot of times I'm just like shooting from the hip. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I don't plan in advance. I'm just really spontaneous that way, but no, this year I have it in mind what I'm going to do. My family's coming to Charleston and I'm excited about that. Usually we go to family. Yeah. So I'm a little bit less in control and less involved this year. They're coming to us. So I'm really excited about that. Amazing. I love that. Um, I have to tell a quick new year's Eve story. We had, we hosted probably three other couples. So just a super adult time. Everybody brought some really fancy food. We had a charcuterie board that was the size of our island kitchen. I mean, it was just insane. That's amazing. Mixed mixed (laughs) cocktails and bubbles and we're eating and laughing and having a great time. And I look over at the clock and I'm like, oh man, any second now we're, we're getting there. It was eight (laughs) 30. That is relatable. (laughs) It was eight 30 and I was done. I was like, yeah, I think y'all got to go home. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make feel it. You. Hosting is exhausting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I would be in the same boat. It sounds like a blast, but it was I fun. It was fun for about you. two hours. And then I was like, while. I'm done. This is, yeah, I'm I get done it. with this. Um, That's so funny. So did they go or did, did they stay we, and hang on? It was so? so, so sad. And I mean, we're, grown ass adults. And we, we decide to play cards or dice or something that lasted mm-hmm. about an hour. And we all literally just looked at each other and said, guys, let's just call it a night. That's good. Win-win. So, I mean, but you know, at the same time, it's like, know yourself, right? Know yourself. It's not, yeah. we're not going to make it to midnight. Yeah. We're just That's not so gonna, good. We're not going to make it. So this is, it sounds like this year, especially for maybe Christmas. Is hubby going to be home Christmas morning? Hmm. 
I actually, <laughs> I'm not sure because his schedule changes, changes, but we've learned to just work with that yeah. and we'll punt it to a different day. And we always um, go out of town for a week to visit his family in Virginia the day after Christmas. And we, we have our traditions that week. It is just delayed a little bit. Yeah. So we'll do Christmas dinner with his family, but just after, and we go bowling every year. Um, but it's just a little bit after Christmas and it's just very nice that everyone accommodates um, his schedule. So we yeah. appreciate that so much. Again, and I think I, he'll be I, I totally get where you guys are coming from. And a lot of people don't understand when yeah. you're like, yeah, we're doing Thanksgiving a week early. Why? Well, because my husband works mm-hmm. and he won't be home yeah. or we're doing Christmas on the 26th because he works. And so it's, it's definitely yeah. a lifestyle and it is. kudos to families who can just roll with it. Right. And it's the spirit of it, right? Mm-hmm. That matters. It's, it doesn't have to be the date on the calendar. And I've so learned the the truth of that togetherness it's the heart of the occasion that we're really all about and it doesn't have to be on a specific day truly um I want to talk quickly about Charleston how much do you love Charleston I just love it and I knew I would love it um because it's just it's reputation precedes it I mean when you tell people you're moving to Charleston South Carolina it's amazing um the reaction you get and so that really before we moved here I was like okay the bar is high everyone seems to love this place yeah I hadn't spent much time here um prior to moving here but it's just really dreamy it's you feel like you're on vacation all the time it's a delicious city so for me and my interests it's just been like a playground for that and um I love the weather it's nice you feel like you're on vacation every day yeah so we just really love it well that's amazing I love Charleston and if you're a foodie Charleston loves you right back I mean it's just it's a great city for that yeah it's been really fun yeah I have to ask on your cheeseburger adventure did you have Mm -hmm. a favorite I do but I think it's it's like a, a hot take I don't know if everyone agrees but my husband and I uh, I would say I will die on this hill. There's a place here called Home Team Barbecue. It's like a small chain. Um, and it's it's the kind of place you go to thinking, oh, I'm here for barbecue. I'm not going to get the burger. But barbecue is not my favorite thing. I mean, I like it. But I, on a whim, ordered the burger one time and never looked back. It's really good. So if you're ever in Charleston, I highly recommend the Home Team Burger. Okay. What it's- is it about the Home Team Burger that's so good? So it's seasoned really well. And there's nothing worse than deciding you're going to kind of splurge and have a big burger and and commit to that and have it just taste like nothing. I mean, really, that's the answer, I guess, to everything, not just burgers, but they do a really good job with that. Um, And it's just not overdone. It's not, they're not trying too hard. It's not pretentious. It's a classic. Now, I will say this is a, this is a good tip. It comes as a double. That's too much for me. So I order it as a single and that's the way to do it. (laughs) Clearly I've done my research. This is what this year has been about for me. So, but yeah, it's really good. I'm when it comes to cheeseburgers, especially more Mm -hmm. simple, the better it has to be American cheese. Sorry. Me too. That's what theirs is. I think it's really good my favorite. Yeah. If they're like, we have this like aged Gouda, get out of town. I want good old processed American cheese on my cheeseburger. Sorry. Me too. too, Every time. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. And that's another reason I like it so much. Yeah, for sure. Really. It's my favorite. It's yet to be topped. Although people suggest things to me all the time, but I'm not interested in a $20 tiny cheeseburger. That also is annoying. And the home team cheeseburger is not over 
priced, like it's reasonable. So it's not annoying. So that's another factor. <laughs> um, yeah. One of my favorite spots when I visit, especially when I visit my mom and, and we go into Charleston is Magnolia's. Yeah. I have to give them a shout out. I absolutely love Magnolia's so much. Yes. You know, I haven't been there. I think it closed. I have to what? double check on that. Been, I know. I have to double check on that. I've been to their sister restaurant. They had a sister restaurant downtown as well. Um, and my cousin um, had her, I think she had her bridal luncheon or her bridal shower there. It's just this beautiful space, this iconic location downtown. So yeah, that's a cool a cool spot. I'm looking up Magnolia's as soon as we, as soon as, yeah. yes, because that's my, that's been my go-to. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know it's a lot. It's been a lot of people's go-tos and it's been an interesting time in the past few years. I'm sure. Some places that you'd never expect to close are kind of closing and mm-hmm. not good, but a lot of new places open all the time too. So that's, that's exciting. Well, especially, yeah, in, in Charleston, it's open. I just looked. Okay, so. good. Then it's their sister restaurant that closed, the one that I went to. So good. Magnolia's is, is all good. Almost had a heart attack, Lauren. Almost I had know. a heart attack. <laughs> Oops. Yep. My bad. (laughs) They, um, I went with my mom once for lunch and on the menu was a boiled peanut hummus. Oh gosh. That's perfect. It was insane. It was incredible. I mean, just even the work, right? You have to boil the peanuts, which is a process and then create a hummus out of it. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's awesome. It's a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah. Boiled peanuts are one thing I crave is boiled peanuts for sure. Southern Southern caviar, they mm-hmm. call them. Um, yeah. I want to wrap up a little bit, but I first have to talk about your best ever salty chocolate chunk cookies. The, oh, yeah. The gal who um, suggested you to be on my podcast said she doesn't bake, and these are the best cookies that she's ever had. She's so nice. They're yeah. my favorite. They're my favorite cookie. Um, again, I don't share a ton of baked goods. Yeah. But when I come across something that just works or that I really, really love, I'll share it. And that might be the best. What is it about the cookie? What is it about them? Um, they're really deeply flavorful. That's, that's probably, I like everything about them. I like the texture. I like the way they look because they're big and very dramatic. Um, and that's all in the way that you make them, but, but really they're just the, the, um, the dough is flavorful and that's important. You should take, be able to take the chocolate out and still have the cookie taste good. Um, that's my cookie philosophy. And I, I sneak some molasses into almost all of my cookie doughs actually, but something about that just gives them this note or this depth of flavor that makes a really good cookie. And then there's a little salt on top. Just really good. I have learned in, in baking again, I'm with you. I, I don't bake a lot. Um, yeah. but brown sugar versus like white granulated sugar always, mm-hmm. always go brown sugar, right? Because it's yeah. the depth of flavor. Yeah. It's like two ingredients in one really. So why not? You right. Know? right. Yeah. And with cookies, it's all about for me, at least under baking them. 1000. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a good secret because that's true. They, cause they continue to bake a little bit as after they're sitting and they become a whole different thing. So that's, yeah, that's a good tip. Um, where can people follow you, find you? So my website is mykitchenlittle.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, same thing, my kitchen little. Okay. And yeah, and my book, my first book was Smoke Roots Mountain Harvest. And my next book comes out June 6th and it's called Southern Lights. I know. Uh, How exciting. Yeah, June, I'm very excited. June 6th, it's, you said? Yeah, June okay. 6th. 
and um, it's available pre-order now. Anything, so. anything special or particular or unique about this cookbook? Like what, what was your, what's the focus of this one? So <clears throat> Southern Lights is a celebration of sort of the healthier side of the Southern table, which a lot of people, when I say that kind of laugh and say, you know, what is that? That's not a thing. Um, a lot of Southern cooking comes with, you know, a reputation of being super heavy. And that's, there's some truth to that. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, especially people outside of the South, is that a lot of Southern cooks are really good at working with just simple produce, things that are grown in Southern ground, no muss, no fuss. It can be as simple as just cucumbers and tomatoes just seasoned perfectly or just healthy salads. There's a lot going on in Southern food that I don't think gets a lot of attention. So the book is sort of twofold. I'm lightening up some heavy, heavy hitters, some classics, um, but I'm also trying to showcase some things that are light to begin with already, but maybe just don't get as much attention. Yeah. I so. mean, it's so funny that you said tomatoes and cucumbers. My grandmother was a farmer and yeah, tomato and cucumber season, we had tomatoes and cucumbers on the table every single yeah. meal. And it was literally <laughs> salt. That was it. Yeah. Right. It's just about acknowledging, you know, the goodness of the ingredients. And yeah, that's, it's a thing called in Kentucky, they call it thunder and lightning, the tomatoes and the cucumbers. And it was just this old story of before a storm would roll in, they'd go gather the low hanging tomatoes and cucumbers to prevent the storm from shaking them off and bruising them on the ground. So they'd make a salad out of it. It's called thunder and lightning. <laughs> so that's in my new book. I love that. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I love that too. <laughs> I yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think when I think of my grandmother's cooking and even my great grandmother's cooking, we just had a conversation about how my great grandma mm -hmm. used to cook. It was mostly vegetables and yeah. nothing else. Right. There wasn't a pound of butter in there or bacon fat. It just was vegetables because right. they couldn't afford the mm -hmm. fancy like cuts of bacon and, and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So yeah, it was really simple. Right. Same here. The same is true for me. I love that. So um, Southern Lights Ew. comes out June 6th. So yeah. still working on that project, sounds like. It just went to the printer last week. So it's fully finished. Yeah. So now it's the fun stuff of just getting to share it, you know, and to talk to people about it because um, it goes like that, you know, it'll be here before I know it. Um, so it's fun to get to finally talk about it a little bit. Well, relish in every single second of that. Now that it's done, it's out of your hands, right? So it is. It's someone else's. Yeah, now it'll be what it'll be. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, really quickly, before I get to the final three questions, okay. um, again, okay. looking at your Instagram page, I just wanted to share a couple of things, one of which caught my eye, a toasted tomato and bacon sandwich with maple cayenne butter. Oh, Yes. That's one of those things that just sounds good. Like, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. Cocoa curry pork shoulder. What? <laughs> that's another, that's another favorite. That's a good one. It's so easy to <laughs> like impossibly easy. You cannot mess that up. So, so. I, I love this. I, I was writing down all of these things that I wanted to go yeah. back and look up and try. Um, so again, mm -hmm. Your Instagram page is colorful. It is absolutely drool worthy. Everything on there looks so delicious. And like you said, I know Ew. if it's coming from you, there's going to be an element of like, I can do this. 
I hope so. And I'm glad to hear you say that because that's really the whole point. So yeah. I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. Laura McDuffie, we're going to wrap up and get to the final three. Uh, best okay. advice you've ever been given. Okay. So as a person who loves advice and self-help and quotes and all the things, <laughs> I feel like I have lots of things I could say to that, okay. but there's no, there's one thing though, that I have sort of carried with me for most of my life. Um, I had the I had the greatest swim coach ever growing up. Um, I wasn't so interested in swimming, but I loved this coach. My whole little town did. And he was famous for three words that he just said all the time. He always would say attitude is everything. And it's so simple. It's almost more of a mantra maybe than advice, but the advice comes in just remembering that no matter where you are, or what you're doing. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, but that has served me so well in many situations in my life. And he actually passed away um, about 10 years ago or so. And so many people went, my whole family went and they gave out vials of swimming pool water from the pool we all swam in growing up. And it said, attitude is everything on these bottles, just to remind everybody that no matter, you know, what the water is like that you're in, you can control, you know, the way you look at it, feel it, see it, um, the way you react to it. And I, we have that bottle still, and that is the best advice ever. And it applies always. So yeah. Easy answer. <laughs> goosebumps. Yeah. Literally. Goosebumps. Yeah. That's Isn't that amazing. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Very special. Wow. Yeah. Attitude is everything. Love that. Yeah, um, true. what's your happy place? My happy place is more, uh, a state of mind than any physical place. I like to be with my family, my husband and my two kids, Alan Easton, anywhere that is not my own home, which is like the weirdest answer, but it gives me the opportunity to be so present. If I'm in my own house, I'm like, what chores do I need to do? What should I, I'm very much like a go, 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 go. Um, and that's not the greatest. It's very easy for me to turn that off though. If I just can go somewhere else, exploring new places or a place we've been to a hundred times, as long as it's not a place that I have to clean. <laughs> or take care of, then I'm happy. I love to do that. I like just to spend time with my family, discovering new places. Be yeah. Being present is something as you get yeah. older, I find, and as you get busier, it's really hard. It's really hard to it, be present. It's hard. It, it, it is. And you just have to prioritize it. And however, you know, you can best do that. Um, but yeah, I'm not great at it. I'm always working on that, honestly. Yeah. So, I, I feel you. Yeah. I'm, I'm awful. Terrible. Like my husband's like, did you hear anything that I just said? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> me too. It's yeah. Nope, he always, uh, he calls me Allie McBeal. Did you ever watch that show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm always just like in la la land thinking about every other thing. Um, yeah, he's gracious and being patient with me, but it's true. Aww. Working on being present all the time. <laughs> yeah. The first step is admitting you have a problem, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I can do that. I can. So at least there's that. <laughs> okay. Uh, in all things food and drink, what do you crave? Mm -hmm. Salt. <laughs> I crave salt. And it, I think more so as I get older, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've said that now we've talked for a while and I think my theme is consistent. I, I like sweets and baking, but really my heart is in savory. Mm -hmm. um, but I also like sweet and salty. I think if you look through a lot of my recipes that I've shared over the years, a lot of them have that component um, or spicy and sweet. I think I just like... Um, contrast or conflict. Maybe I like conflict. I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, that kind of stuff excites me and I crave it all the time. Well, that's when our motivation for cooking is really what we crave, 
right? So yes, I totally agree. I'm, yeah. I would much rather have a salty snack than a sweet one any day. I would. I married into a family filled with sweet teeth. So it's so entertaining to me. Like my husband, we were at the airport two days ago and he beelines it for the candy shop and he comes out with a giant bag of gummy bears, which is like the last thing I would ever yeah. want. But some people just really love that. And so my cravings are salt-based. <laughs> I married a sweet tooth as well. I mean, who can go back for seconds, like huge bowls of ice cream, which <laughs> is also annoying because I'm just like, how, where does that go? Like what, what do you do with that? Ugh. That is my husband and his family. Yeah. It's amazing. They're the same. It's great. I know, but I I'm, I'm here for the bag of chips. <laughs> I can't eat just one. You and, me both. you and me both. We'll share them. <laughs> we'll share the chips. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lauren McDuffie, you've been so fun. Um, I'm so glad we got a chance to chat today. Me too. Thank food, you for having me. Food blogger, cookbook author. Uh, My Kitchen Little is where to find her. Um, mm -hmm. And please go check out her Instagram page if you just want to get lost for an hour and get hungry. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> so thank you again for being here. And everybody look out for her book, Southern Lights, coming out next summer. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Glose. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.